Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome into the Card Chronicle podcast. If you're listening to this, happy March to you. The greatest month of the year is finally here, and this time, uh, unlike 12 months ago, I think we're going to make it all the way through. Hopefully, we're going to make it all the way through. We're actually recording this on the evening of February 28th, a.k.a. John Austin, Rockin' March Eve. Uh, Dan and I both dressed to the nines here. We're going to have Jimmy Dykes play Rockin' Little Heartbeat. And then uh, I guess Rothstein's going to have some coach uh, here to, like, fillet uh, at the end of the, the show. And then we're going to welcome in March together. It's going to be wonderful. But happy March to you, Dan Sennard. I know... Not March for us right here, but we're only three and a half hours away. Happy March to you. Feels pretty damn good right now. I mean, I, we can kind of talk about what happened. You texted me if I was ready to do the podcast, and I told you I wasn't because I was on my way to get a Shamrock McFlurry. Um, <laughs> just to reel in the realization here that March has arrived. So, And it's phenomenal, by the way. I'm like, can I eat this on the pod? Am I getting too comfortable on this thing? But um, yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, obviously, I think we're both flying high right now, especially from where we were about a week ago. Um, you know, it, it just seems like a lot has happened in, in one week, but um, I'm excited to talk about what happened last night. Yeah, we're going to spend pretty much the entirety of this podcast talking about Saturday night's game. Uh, may touch briefly on the week ahead and the importance of it and kind of where Louisville stands, but obviously this is uh, you know, Monday morning. The big topic still, Louisville going into Cameron Indoor Stadium, uh, winning 80-73 to 73 in overtime despite losing Malik Williams in the, I guess, the early second half to a re-aggravation of his foot injury, despite losing David Johnson to five fouls late in the second half, and despite losing Jalen Withers to five fouls in overtime. The Cards able to win, and also despite, let's just say it, this is the best part about doing the podcast, we can just say stuff straightforwardly. Some really just fucking horrible calls against Louisville down the stretch uh, in both regulation and overtime. Despite all that, Louisville pulls out its third straight win over Duke, its second straight win at Cameron Indoor Stadium. They improved to 9-6 and six against Mike Krzyzewski, the only program in America to face Coach K at least 10 times and have a winning record. It feels all of that just, just wonderful. Just breathe that in right there. Hit back 15 seconds on the podcast app. Listen to that again. It's just such a, a good, good feeling. And obviously there are very, very important um, ramifications to this win as far as Louisville's current season is concerned. But still, just beating Duke three straight times is wonderful. And the fashion in which it happened on Saturday night was wonderful. I, I do want to start with this, though. I don't know if you saw any of this, Dan, but people kind of mad at us for not doing the emergency pod last night. It, I mean... <laughs> It, it was a big win, I would say. I mean, would you classify as the biggest win of the year? I mean, I think I would. Yes, um, I agree. But, like, even – I don't know if it was emergency pod worthy. Um, I, 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 For people that clamored for it, I'm sorry. We probably should have taken more responsibility and done it. Um, I probably wasn't in shape to do it, to be honest, um, at, at the time. But I, I could see why some people might want it. But – um, I, we'll just say this. I'm more optimistic that we got bigger wins to come and we'll be able to throw out an emergency pod, you know, hopefully in the next week or two. I love that spin right there. I, I see what you just did. You're like, you know what? We got more emergency pod situations coming. We don't want to. Exactly. Yeah. We don't want to spoil it with a road Duke team. Come on, let's go. You don't know how high the fucking bar is right now for this podcast to do an emergency pod. Like what? We're just skimming the surface. Of, of Bring on Gonzaga. Come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah, we're talking. I, I do kind of like that was my thought, because right when I, I post the 
whatever. I don't remember what tweet I sent out first last night after the game was over. Like right away, it was like bang, bang, bang. Like emergency pod, emergency pod, emergency pod. And I guess like because I never said no. And then you put out your tweet, which I, I loved, which said we need to lead with fantasy golf. Uh, which I thought that was very, very good. I guess people saw that and kind of assumed that we were actually doing an emergency pod. So when it didn't come out this morning, I had like seven or eight tweets from people who were like, uh, is this podcast coming? And I was like, not tonight, not today. So, but I, I, I kind of flirted with the idea of doing it, but I, I do feel like we've done two so far. And it was after the Duke game last year, which that Duke team much better than this year's Duke team. And then it was after the Kentucky game this year, which the Kentucky team sucks ass, but it, still we hadn't beaten UK in forever. That, that felt justified. And then we kind of did one last week with the, the Mac video and, uh, the 45-point loss and everything going on there. So if we do have – like, if, if that Duke team had been ranked, or maybe even if Carly Jones shot at the end of regulation goes in and we went on a buzzer beater, maybe we would have rushed to it. But I still – I feel like we made the right choice for the for the brand and for everybody. Like, we just needed some time to collect our thoughts, and here we are. Monday morning works for this. But well, if we yeah, we're, we are – our our fan base doesn't rush the court after big wins and our podcast is not going to throw out an emergency pod against probably a non-tournament team besides like Kentucky besides Kentucky. I, yeah. <laughs> the only other one we've done. This yeah. Time. It's like besides Kentucky. Whoops. An eight and 14 sec team that, that we beat by three at home. Uh, but still, you know, extenuating circumstances, whatever. Uh, but if, you know, if we beat Virginia on a last second shot on Saturday, Maybe that will qualify, but I'm kind of hoping for, in my mind, I'm seeing like a 1 a.m. after ACC tournament semifinal win Friday night over somebody good, maybe FSU, maybe Virginia, maybe Passner, who knows. Um, I will say that, let me say this, if okay. Carly hit that shot in regulation to end the game, there would have been an emergency pod. Um, well, not, said, not that like the, not that the win wasn't big, but uh, the way it would have ended, yeah, that would have been something. I mean, literally said that 45 seconds ago, Dan. Whoops. The, Sorry, I'm balls deep in this McFlurry right put now. The McFlurry, Dan. The, the McFlurry's already become an issue five minutes into the pod. But right. uh, no emergency pod, but hey, we, you know, we're still here. So let's just talk. I mean, I, I, I don't even know really where to start. I, I guess the obvious place is just Carlick Jones slobbering because, my God, there it is. There's the first My God. My God. <laughs> my God. I mean, 25 points. Um, nine of 18 from the field, one of one from the behind the arc, four assists, six rebounds, two steals. And the biggest thing to me, I, the biggest mind blowing stat, forget the highlights, forget everything else. He played 44 minutes. He only came out because he tried to take a charge and got a little bit hurt in the first half. I think he was on the bench for like 35 seconds. He played basically this entire game plus overtime, had the ball in his hands. Duke was pressing constantly. They had ball pressure in the half court, zero turnovers. I mean, that's just this this guy, Dan. This guy, my God. I, I, I'm we're running out of things to say. I mean, if if you would have told me like when this kid came on, like when we got him, I don't want to say it was like it obviously wasn't an afterthought because we needed help in the backcourt. But you know, you thought they said that he was one of the top grad transfers. So, I mean, we're excited, but there's just absolutely no way anyone could could have prepared themselves for how big of a contributor and how many times he's kind of put the team on his back and it's it's not just the stats he has such a good feel for knowing what to do at the right times like beginning of the game you know he'll attack when he needs to attack he distributes when he needs to distribute and then I mean when it's crunch time when Duke took the lead he comes right down gets to the rack scores a layup and then it just seemed like every big possession you know, we wanted the ball in his hands, and he knew exactly what to do, whether it was get fouled, you know, a, a jumper from the foul line, taken to the rim. I mean, he just has such a good feel for these big moments that, I mean, it, it's it's been a while since we've had a closer like this um, come through this university. I, I didn't think I could love a grad transfer the way I, I love Damian Lee and still love Damian Lee ever again. I feel... I, I'm like Tom Hanks in Sleepless in Seattle. You know, like, he's got the dead wife. He, he still he doesn't think he's ready yet. The kid pushes him out. Like, they, Carly, he pushes him to, to, you know, put himself back out there. Meg Ryan comes along. That's Carly Jones. And I'm, I, I'm head over heels. Like, I, I didn't think I could feel this way again. The guy, Mark Ennis had a really good, he had a, a couple of tweets on Twitter today. Just showing gift of 
car leaks celebrating other people's baskets. And I could wa- I could have watched like 55 of those. I could have watched that shit all day. Like he just he's so into everything. He's such a competitor. He's every time that you need to, to steady the ship. Duke goes on that huge run. We've missed, I think, nine of ten field goals to start the second half. He makes that just huge move on Jared Goldwire, who's maybe the best on-ball defender in the conference, gets all the way to the rim, scores, calms everything down. He's just, I mean, he's everything to this team. And um, seeing him after the game, like his like his reaction when the final shot's missed by Duke and he the camera zooms in on him and you just see him scream like, hell yeah. I mean, that was that was the coolest moment of the entire season. I think the entire city felt that same way. And like we talked about last week, there's just something about late night Saturday night wins this late in the season that's just the fucking best. I mean, it's just you're texting with your friends, you're having some late night drinks, you're watching the highlights, you're you're reading all the coach quotes, you're staying on Twitter looking for anything you can find until the the wee hours of the morning. Saturday night was just it, we needed that. Like it had been way too long since we'd had that type of feeling. Uh, you, I, you're a hundred percent right there, and I mean, you, you just. I mean, and the, the best part is it happened like basically on the eve of March and that these are the times we want to feel these exact feelings. And I mean, it's just it's wild. Like when we join the ACC, you know, these are the type of games and we're like, oh, my God, we get to play Duke on a regular basis. Like this is this is like what we always wanted. And I mean, do I miss like the nostalgia of the Big East? Like, of course I do. But I mean, to beat Duke in your last three games, I don't care if they're down or not. I mean, that's a great accomplishment. I mean, Chris Mack deserves not only a lot of credit for that, but I mean, just a lot of credit for what he's done in one week getting this team ready. Uh, I mean, there's there's no doubt. I mean, I think doubt crept into everyone's mind, you know, after the COVID pause, after the North Carolina game. Um, I mean, I know I panicked. I, I think a lot of the fan base was panicking, but uh, I mean, he had his guys ready for sure. I think everyone was ready to play. I mean, the the best part was that first half, you know, not to be too bittersweet because we don't know what's going on with Malik, but you almost got a glimpse of what the lineup could be like if they're starting to click a little bit. And we had like the five guys we kind of thought who were going to be on the floor most of the year. And it looked pretty damn good. Now, we don't know what's going on with Malik, so we can get into that later, but um it it was it was refreshing to see how well we played on offense and just to know that we're capable of that so that's that's one of the big takeaways I took away from it no I I think you're totally right because 80 points is the most we've scored in an ACC game so far this season granted we needed five extra minutes to get to that point but just the how well we shot the ball early in the game and to be able to do it on a night where you know it's not like we were lighting it up from the outside only made four three-pointers only took 12, but it, it kind of, in that regard, it reminds me of, remember in, in 2012, we, you know, end the season with those two just horribly anemic performances on offense, the senior night loss to South Florida, and then the Saturday game against Syracuse, where I think we scored 49 points, and the first game we played in the Big East tournament was against Seton Hall, and it was still like a, a gross, ugly game, we could have easily lost that game and wound up being like an 8-9 seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, but we found a way to win. But it wasn't until we beat Marquette and scored something like 83 points. And it wasn't just the win that I think got everybody really invigorated. It was the fact that that team needed to prove they needed to have that type of offensive performance just to prove that they could do it, just to prove that it was uh, possible when they went up against a team like Florida in the Elite Eight that was banging a bunch of three pointers that they could find a way to answer. And that was kind of a I think the, the big turning point for that month was that game. Not saying that the exact same thing is going to happen here with Louisville, but I do think it's a huge mental boost that they could win one with offense. Um, you know, they they got blown out by North Carolina coming back after COVID. Didn't matter what they were doing. Didn't matter if they were even having a good offensive night. They were going to lose that game. And then they beat Notre Dame. Still, I mean, not the not the most rock solid performance. It was just kind of a let's get through this thing. Let's find a way to get to get it back in the win column. Let's grind one out. But to to win this way, to win where with Carly Jones making plays on offense with uh, Sam Williamson, once again, just looking like a, a totally different player. I think it's a big mental boost. Um, so all that leads me to say this, Dan, would you say the real season starts now? The real season starts fucking now. baby. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I, that's actually a really good analogy, the 2012 team, because you're right. Like, there were so many grinders leading up to that conference tournament. It seemed like they were so anemic on offense. And then it, it seemed like just one game it took and, and guys started getting confidence. And then obviously, you know, certain players, Kyle comes to mind, just started playing really well around that time. But uh, it's it's funny, I mean, during the game, you're watching, and it seems like, like, in the first 15 minutes, I'm like, we should be up by, like, 20 points right now. But, of course, like, Matthew Hurt turns into the quote-unquote, like, Rick Patino prodigy Larry Bird that he was talking to you about on the wedding bus. I mean, my God, at, at, like, he was absolutely lighting us up. And, I mean, we can talk about – I'm not going to get on Chris Mack because I thought he coached a great game, but – uh, starting Jalen off on him after how well David Johnson did on him was a little bit perplexing, um, but I'm just nitpicking a little bit. I mean, the guy's a really good player. He can get a shot off pretty easily. Um, he did a good job of, you know, finding his mismatches. So, I mean, I, I'm honestly, I'm not worried on the defensive end. I think, uh, especially uh, from on the perimeter, we have really good pressure, you know, with our guards guarding the ball, getting up into other guards. Um, but I do think we're going to need Malik back if if this team wants to, I mean, d- does he make like a huge impact on the offensive end? It just seems like things maybe run a little smoother. I don't think like his offensive game particularly is like rounding into form or anything, but it just seems like things run smoother on the offensive end when he's on the court. But I just feel so much more comfortable when he's on the court and I think our ceiling will be higher, you know, if if he is able to be healthy and play down the stretch. Yeah, I want to go back and talk about Matthew Hurt really quickly because I was going to make mention of the same thing, which is it feels a little bit personal at this point. <laughs> ever, ever since uh, on the podcast, you can go back if you want to hear the entire story. But um, basically at a wedding several years ago, I mean, this was, I think, like 2015. Matthew Hurt was, I think, coming off of his freshman year of high school in Minnesota and Rick Pitino told me that Matthew Hurt was going to be the, uh, quote, best white college basketball player since Christian Leitner was the exact quote, which, I, I mean, still not true. St- still a little bit, uh, you know, Pitino hy- hyperbole. But you and I openly mocked it uh, before the first Duke game. And since then, Hurt against us has been, I mean, <laughs> otherworldly. The shots that he was making, especially in the first half, I'm with you. I was surprised that Withers got the assignment to start off because I thought uh, Mac would either go with back to David Johnson or put Malik Williams uh, on him and let Jalen Withers go up against the uh, the Mark Williams kid who's been starting at center for them. But Jalen, I mean, there were a couple of missed assignments early on, but some of the shots that he was hitting, there was just nothing anybody could do. Uh, He was, you know, hand in his face, step back. And also, I haven't heard anybody make mention of this. I'm sure somebody has, but if he gets his feet back a couple of inches on either one of those early two attempts that he wound up uh, taking just with a foot on the line, maybe, you know, I I know that the game wouldn't have played out exactly the same way, but Duke certainly could have used those two extra points at the end of regulation. But the guy is just absolutely killing us. He goes 15 of 21 from the field, career high 37 points. Um, I actually thought the guy who did the best job defending him was Sam Williamson. Yep, uh, I agree. I, I thought agree. it was terrific. And, and maybe David didn't wasn't as effective late in the second half because he knew he was in foul trouble and he was trying to to hold off. By the way, David's fourth foul with like eight and a half minutes to go, total bullshit. You got all ball. He, I, I know he shouldn't have swiped down like he did, but it was absolutely not a foul. But I thought Sam did a really good job. And it also seemed like Hurt got a little bit tired late in the game um, when Carleek was going, still taking it possession after possession after possession. Hurt was, I don't want to say disappearing, but he wasn't nearly as effective as he was in the first 30, 35 minutes of the game. But, man, like, tip your cap. Dude was awesome. Yeah, and I mean, you say that Sam did the best job on him. I mean, wait, let's talk about Sam for a minute. I mean, what an absolute, like, 180 in the past, like, month this guy has done. I mean, credit to him. I, I mean, I, I, I know I need to throw out an apology because I think after the U.K. game, I said that we needed to lower our expectations of what to expect from Sam for the rest of the season. Um, and I mean, he's totally proved me wrong. I mean, everything that I was kind of clamoring for him to do, he's doing it and more. I mean, he seems kind of like the linchpin that is making everything work on both sides of the ball and his rebounding 
you know, has just been huge this past month. So um, I, I definitely owe Sam an apology. I am very happy. This is the Sam we have going forward. So, I mean, if we compare that with Carleek and now, I mean, the, the last guy we got to get consistent here is David Johnson. I, I don't think he, I mean, I know the box score said he had nine points and five turnovers. The game didn't seem like it was that bad. I mean, I think I thought he did a good job of attacking when it was like his time to attack. Like anytime Matthew Hurt got on him, he would definitely go right at his shoulder, go right to the rim. And um, that was good to see, but It'll be nice to get Dave kind of back into a rhythm. If we have that three-headed monster, um, I feel good about our chances versus a lot of teams going forward. First of all, as good as Hurt was on offense, and this is going to be— He is so bad on D. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable (laughs) how— I'm watching that. I'm like, could I score on this guy? Like, I, I like I, I couldn't score on my eighth grade nephew the last time I played basketball. I'm like, I think I could take Matthew Hurt. Like, I, I think I could make a play on him. But he, and, and that's kind of where I have a problem with everybody saying, well, he's he solidified himself as ACC Player of the Year last night. And I'm like, we had a dude playing both ends of the floor. Like, we, we had a guy who was, first of all, ball was in his hands constantly. He, if he fucked up. The entire possession was going to fall apart. He was making play after play after play on offense against maybe the best defender in the conference, and then going right at it on the other end of the court had a couple of huge steals. Like I think if you're looking at overall performance last night, as good as Matthew Hurt was on offense, the better complete game was played by Carleek Jones, and I think the better complete player is Carleek Jones. So um, I, I know that the stat gets tossed out there every time around this year when we have a guy who's looking like a first-team uh, all-conference player. We have not had a conference player of the year since Clifford Rozier all the way back in 1994, which just blows your mind a little bit. And the first guy to do that in you know nearly three decades could wind up be a, being a graduate transfer from Radford, which is just a, a mind-blowing thing to say. But Hurt sucks on defense. And, and as good as he is, I would definitely have him as a first-team all-conference type player. I couldn't cast my vote for him for player of the year just because of that. And our guys were absolutely feasting on him every time they got matched up against him. But I also want to go back. You started the conversation talking about Sam Williamson. It's, I mean, just to be full, I think the thing that's most indicative of that 180 that you were talking about is, you know, five games ago, he was coming off the bench and we weren't sure if he was going to play 20 minutes a night. We were thinking those minutes were going to go to Quinn Slezinski now. And it was kind of like, let Sam get out there see how he's playing and then either, you know, let him go a little bit longer or pull him out and let him play like 15 minutes. He played 42 of the 45 minutes uh, in last night's game and in Saturday night's game. And we could not be successful without him on the floor. And early in the season, he was just, it seemed like he was pressing offensively. He was trying to do things that he wasn't capable of total opposite last night. He's making all the hustle plays, all the winning plays, 12 rebounds. That's the most for anybody in the game. He doesn't, uh, I mean, he barely even had to take a jumper in this game. He was running the floor, finishing around the rim, letting other guys set him up. Um, not wor- Didn't take a three-pointer, not worried about that. Uh, three assists, that was the second most uh, on the team outside of Carleague Jones. He has just become, he's become what we wanted him to be from day one. And maybe even more so because he's bringing you, I, I think, an edge that we weren't sure he was capable of having coming in. Right, yeah, I, I completely agree. And like, the best part about it, like my favorite part about being a college basketball fan is these type of moments when you like see the growth of a player, like, all, like sometimes it's over a course of a couple seasons, but I mean, we're seeing it right before our eyes. And the best part about it is Sam is, I mean, from all accounts, like everything you hear from Chris Mack is he's like the biggest gym rat on our team, basically. Like they say he's in the gym constantly. So if you want it to happen to someone, you, Sam is a great guy you want this to happen to. If it was just someone that, you know, has the talent, but maybe they don't really give a shit or put the time in, that's one thing. But the best part is, you know, Sam cares about the game and, you know, he wants the team to do well. So to see him succeed, to see him helping the team in the ways that he is, it's like I said, I, I, I think college basketball, it's to me, it's my favorite sport. And like the Sam storyline this year is one of the reasons why. Yeah, the most frustrating thing, and I'm going to – I hate doing this because I don't – I'm so sick of the comparison. We've made fun of the comparison uh, really since the start of the season. But the most frustrating thing about watching the lack of progression from B.J. King was that 
he could make the quote-unquote pretty plays. You, you knew he was capable of doing it. He had the body to be more of a banger, to be more of a competitor, to be more of a tough guy down low, and just never made that turn. It, it just never happened. And it got to the point where at the end of his junior season, Chris Mack just couldn't play him. He, he was just a total liability. And with Sam, I mean, I see why people made that comparison because the biggest issue for him wasn't lack of ability or mid-range game. It was just the uh, seeming unwillingness to do the dirty work, to make the big play, to get in there and, and battle for a rebound. And that was what plagued the first month and a half of his season. He just would not, again, make those winning plays. And now for him to make that turn that VJ King never did, I think it opens up the rest of his game. I think now you're going to see more of that um, you know, fantastic mid-range game open up. I think he's going to improve his ball handling at some point, whether it's uh, you know in this offseason or before next year at some point. Like I, I just, it's been. I'm right there with you. Like one of the best things about being a college basketball fan is seeing these types of light bulb going off moments, and that's exactly what we've seen from Sam. He's gone. He, he's kind of to make the the last tie here to the other player who always he always gets compared to. He's making that Wayne Blackshear turn that Wayne made at the very end of his senior season. He's just doing it two years uh, earlier than Wayne was able to, do it. and that's been so awesome. I don't know where we'd be if, if Sam hadn't made that type of turn. But um, let's talk. I, I want to bring up Jalen Withers because we got the full Jalen Withers. <laughs> Dude, this guy. Oh my god. Every time that I'm about to be like kick him off the team. He makes, like, the greatest play in the history of the world. Like, he crossed up Matt Hurt and hit a step-back jumper on him when Matt Hurt had, like, eight points in the first two minutes. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that. I, I don't know what to do with Jalen Withers. The, 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 the play that was Jalen Withers as a redshirt freshman in a, like a microcosm, his entire season so far, was in overtime. We're up three. We are coming out of a break. Chris Matt calls up a play. Jalen cuts the wrong way, like completely fucks up. And you can tell if you go back and watch it now, Quinn is looking at him like, what do I do now? Jalen resets himself, goes and, and fakes a, a, a set screen, slips the screen, cuts the basket. Quinn throws it to him. He gets the and one. We go up by six. We're feeling great. Like th- that was Jalen Withers in, in a nutshell. Makes the wrong play coming out of a timeout after he's been told specifically what to do, but then somehow makes up for it with a miraculous play uh, at the rim. He just, man, wild card bitches. What else can you say? It, it's so funny. I mean, I, I have so many ups and downs with this guy during the game that, like, I'm just starting to ignore the downs because I know they're coming. But, I mean, we'll talk about, like, the finishing around the rim. And I know it's not it, it's not him. It's, it's other guys on the team as well. But Jalen cracks me up because he's got, like, have you ever, like, when you were, like, growing up, like, if you're a little bit older, maybe you're like, I don't know. I, I, I know you, you have like a little sister, but like I would go to like my little brother's basketball games and like during like halftime or timeout, like the floor would be empty and like there would just be a ref out there with the ball and I'd like walk out of the stands and like want to take like a, a jumper in front of everyone that's like, hey, I'm still, I'm cool. I'm just going to take a quick jumper. Like that's what Jalen's jumper actually looks like. And like it goes in. I'm like, my God, it's, he's just so casual when he shoots yeah. it, but. Um, he's, I mean, we've said it a million times. I mean, he really does have all the ability in the world. Um, you just hope mentally, uh, he can just put it all together because you know, it's there. He's fun to watch, but my God, he, he, he can drive you crazy sometimes. I'll give you credit. That's an absolutely perfect description of Jalen Withers jump shot. I mean, it is, it is older kid. (laughs) <laughs> fucking around at halftime of a like eighth grade game. That's exactly what it looks like. Every, yeah, and, like oh, you like know a girl in the stand. You're like, I'm just gonna put one up real quick. Yeah, Hold up. like <laughs> quick couple dribbles between the legs and just like shruggy shot. Like, eh, like I don't even care if it goes in. Who cares? Like, wh- whatever. I, I I do this for fun. Like that's Jalen Withers right there. Um, moving on because and I know we're kind of going player by player here, which isn't exactly how I intended it, but that's fine. I do want to talk about Quinn Slezinski. Yes, yes. Not even getting into the overtime stuff. I, I want to start at the end of regulation. And I encourage everybody, if you haven't gone back and watched this game, or at least like the last five minutes of regulation and then in overtime, definitely do so. Because I didn't notice this in real time, but it, it just absolutely made me laugh my ass off on Sunday morning when I saw it. But So Carly Jones um, misses the, the, the second of two free throws with 13 seconds to go. It, it, real quick aside... Was that a foul? 
Um, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I think it was. I, I, I think it was. I think the guy, I think it was just after the shot. Like, he's like, it was the dude who just plowed into him. Um, maybe it was Williams. I, I can't remember exactly. I, did, I, need, I needed to rewind it and, like, listen for when the whistle occurred because I really didn't put it two and two together at that point. But um, I, I was fine with it, so. If the officials hadn't been, you know, overruling double dribbles for some reason that's not in the any sort of rule book, I would have maybe been felt worse about it. But we deserve that call and about four others. But anyway, so he misses the second free throw. Jalen Withers, again, wild card, makes a fantastic play to get the rebound. And I'm thinking he's got the ball with 11 seconds. He's got he's got two guys on him. I mean, my initial thought is he's going to do something terrible. Like he's he's going to throw up a like a runner here that that he misses entirely, or he's going to throw the ball away or, or do something. To, and again, you never know exactly what you're going to get with Jalen. He makes the right decision here, throws the ball out. The ball goes to Quinn at the top of the key with about seven seconds to go. Go back and watch Quinn. Like in, in that moment, there's a split second where Quinn's like, "Here we go." He's like, "He's like, this is it. This is me." Like I. This is my time. Like, I'm about to make the play. Hasn't taken a shot at this point in the game. Certainly hasn't made a shot. And he, like, he's literally like, here we go. And then Carly sprints over, and right away, he gets jolted back into reality and hands the ball off to Carly. But, again, watch for that, like, one second where he's like, Quinton, baby. It's, it's, oh, that is so I'm, funny, I'm about man. to thrill a game winner. Um, so that, that was wonderful. But then, to his credit, he comes out of the break at overtime, and he's got to start the overtime because – David has fouled out, and he tells Chris Mack, I got you. And Mack, <laughs> Mack is like, I've got no idea what that means. Like, I, got, I've got, I have no idea what you're talking to. But late in a, a troubled first possession, he buries a no-hesitation, like, 24-foot three-pointer. And honestly, I feel like overtime kind of plays out totally differently if he doesn't make that shot. That put us ahead, and we never really – like, we, we always were playing with the lead. I think they gave us – they gave everybody out there on the floor – a nice little injection of confidence. Dude, I fucking love this guy. I mean, I, I just love everything about him. Like he's he's like the guy you totally want on your team. I love his demeanor on the bench. I love his demeanor on the court. Like does he make mistakes sometimes? Yes, like can he be slow-footed sometimes? Yes, but like he has so many intangibles and like so much like I don't give a fuck attitude that like it's just it's so refreshing to see. I mean, he just stepped up and buried that three. Like he had already taken like five of them throughout the game, and then obviously the free throws at the end of the game. I just love the way that he carries himself. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't have enough good things to say about him. I mean, he he honestly, you're out of any guy on the team, he is willing to play whatever role it is for the team to win. I mean, he I he honestly doesn't care about minutes. You know, he encourages his teammates. It's it's awesome, man. I, I love this guy, and I'm looking forward to watching him for the next couple of years. I don't think I'm alone in this, but for that that last possession when we're up three and we need the free throws, like obviously the guy you want at the line the most is Carleek. But you know that even if he gets the inbound, Duke's probably not going to foul right away. They're going to try to get a steal. They're going to trap. They're at least going to try to get the ball out of his hands. I remember going into that possession thinking, like, who do you want second? And I was torn between Sam or Quinn. And the stats say it should be Sam. It probably says it should be anybody but Quinn. And you get why Duke fouled him right away when he got the ball in his hands. Because the numbers, I think he's only like a 71% free throw shooter or something along those lines. So the numbers say it's a good play. But I had no doubt he was making both. Like He, he just, wanted he wanted to. Did he, when he got that ball, he, he could have like given it up real quick. He just held on to it. He was totally fine with going to the line. Yeah, you could tell like he just has that confidence about him. And sometimes like the confidence outshines the ability. And maybe that's a little bit of the case here. But I do think that like when it comes to something like making clutch free throws, he's a good enough shooter to get the job done in those situations. And he knows it. And I fully expected him to knock down both. And he didn't touch rim on either one of those. Just absolutely buried him. And that was the game at that point. So, I mean, those two free throws, the three, the car leak ice cold jumper, I mean, the guys who you need to make those types of plays in overtime really, really stepped up. And then also Jalen, again, fucking up the play completely, but then making up for it two seconds later was awesome to see. Uh, is there a weirder place with all the, the weird sports venues across the country because of COVID that have either no attendance or limited attendance? I don't think there's a weirder sports venue 
you know, in all of this than Cameron Indoor without fans. Yeah, it's, I mean, I I don't like it. Like, it just, it feels like you're playing, like, I mean, it would be like you walked in on, like, a pickup game at a gym, basically. I mean, that's kind of what it feels like. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to complain about winning there, obviously, but I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's definitely weird not to have the fans there. I mean, obviously we know it's a, it's a great environment um, when there are fans there, but uh, it's still sweet to win there, but it's obvious, like last year, like it was just a fucking bit sweeter because like Malik just fucking dunks on everyone that's in that stadium and shuts them up. But I'm, I'm still, you know, obviously over the moon with this win yesterday. Yeah. The videos from last year's game of that dunk where, you know, Duke fans are going nuts on their possession. Ball gets stolen, and it's kind of quiet. And then when he dunks, all you can hear is the small amount of Louisville fans going nuts, and it's just dead silent besides that. That was wonderful. You never really got that moment in this game. But I do think like, – I, I don't know if we – I'm not going to say we don't win the game if there there's a crowd there, but I do think there were specific moments where not having fans in attendance really helped us, namely the play I was just talking about a few minutes ago. When Jalen comes down with that offensive rebound off the missed free throw, if it's so loud in there that he can't even hear himself think, maybe he makes a decision. Thankfully for us, he's right next to his bench. He can hear the coaches screaming, just like, kick it out, kick it out, kick it out. And he makes the wise play there. I think in that regard, it was it was nice for us not to have fans. But from a spectator standpoint, I mean, I watched some of the videos that the, the UofL social media team has been putting out today. And it's just weird <laughs> seeing you know clips of the the key moments in this game between two of the you know six or seven best college basketball programs of all time two just juggernauts in this sport and it sounds like it's you know footage from a pickup game it's, it's just so bizarre to hear an empty gym and the echo of the ball bouncing and and all that stuff without any fans there but i did love our guy dr dunk his tweet during the game i thought was beautiful it was like the good thing about the cardboard cutouts in Cameron Indoor this year is that there's no drop in basketball knowledge, which I love <laughs> because, you know, all those dorks that, that line up and paint, like they don't, they, they boo terrible calls. They have no idea what they're doing. They don't, they don't know anything about uh, basketball. They're just whatever. Like Duke fans are it's the biggest sidewalk fan base of all time. I know. And like, I, it, it's funny. Remember when we went to, uh, when we went to the Indianapolis Sweet 16 Elite Eight, the year we won it all, and it was us. It was uh, Michigan State. It was Duke, and who who did we play? Oregon, Oregon. I think. Yeah. Like I don't know why. Like I was like, oh man, Duke has like such a big following. Like it's probably gonna be like half Duke fans. There was like barely any Duke fans there. It was really weird. I mean, obviously I know it's close to Louisville, and we kind of overtook that city at the time. But you're right. I mean, it, it, they are kind of sidewalk fans for sure um it, it it's fun like i i guess like you know they have their thing with kentucky uh, obviously when they play each other um I'm, I'm cheering for duke um but i i, I can kind of see why kentucky has loved to beat duke in the past it, it's it does feel good to get victories against them and i don't know why i mean they, they don't even really have like hateable players this year like i don't find matthew hurt hateable um, you know, just something about the Duke and Aura and all of it, just the Cameron crazies. I don't know. I, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but they, they just it, it's nice to beat them is what I'm trying to say. I think that there's also a, a sense that. Like the establishment is for them, like, you know, the, the, the basketball universe and the powers that be and, you know, this this, you know, just figurehead this force of evil that doesn't actually exist but kind of exists in our minds all wants them to win you know the, the espn brass always i was gonna say a lot of that's probably you know years of vital just like oh, sure. really slurping k has something to do with it the notion that they get all the calls the notion that coach k is viewed and, and treated differently than any other coach in america all that good stuff i think that gives you an added sense of accomplishment when you're able to beat them especially when you're able to beat them on their home floor um, regardless of what their record is. And I guess we should bring that up really briefly because it's it's a huge win. We talked about this being you know, probably the best win of the season for Louisville. There is a chance. I mean, Duke's 11-9 right now. They end the regular season this week with games against Georgia Tech and North Carolina. They might be underdogs in both those games. There's a chance that this could not wind up being a quad one win for Louisville when all said and done. Duke slipped nine spots last night in the net rankings 
uh, after we beat them. They're now 58th. They have to be top 70 for a road win to qualify as a quad one win. If they win one more game, whether it's this week or in the AC tournament, they're probably going to, to stay in that top 70. The computers seem to like them pretty well. Um, so I think we're going to hang on to a quad one win here. But Louisville still would be well served, not just to, to get into the tournament, but for seeding purposes, to win one of these two games next week. Because I think that you know Virginia Tech on the road and Virginia at home, those there's no question. Those are both going to be quad one victories by the time we get to Selection Sunday. So winning one of those uh, and, and getting to two and four in quad one games or two and five in quad one games or maybe three and four in quad one games would be really good. But still... It, it's more about the way that Duke was playing into this game that makes me feel really good about it. They were six-point favorites for a reason. You and I both picked against us, and if we'd known that Malik Williams was going to get hurt and David Johnson was going to foul out and Jalen was going to foul out, I think we probably would have had an even more difficult time seeing us win this game. So to overcome all that stuff and beat a Duke team playing for its tournament lives and on a four-game winning streak and, and having a lot of confidence on their season, I, I think the – the celebration amongst the Louisville fan base is justified, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I totally agree. I I, I just hope that, you know, um, that we keep our foot on the gas. Like, it seems like the first couple of years Chris Mack has been here, like February, you know, January, late January, February, March, it's just been like kind of choppy. It's been like, you know, a win and then a loss or a couple wins, a couple losses. Like, let's put a fucking streak together, man. Let's let's. Let's go for two wins here and really have some momentum going into March and and you know maybe we're the team that, that that's hot and people don't want to play us. Um, I feel like it's been a while since we've been labeled that team. So um, I, I I do think uh, the Malik injury news. I don't want to pour you know salt into the wound here, but that that might be um, some big news to find out whenever we do. Um, but like you said, I, I the way Duke was playing. Uh, I, I think there's, you know, no shame in celebrating this as a is a nice victory for us. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and I, the the Malik stuff. We're again we're recording this Sunday night, so by the time you listen to this, there may be some news on, on what's going on with him. It sounded after the game like Chris Mack. I don't want to read too much into it, but if, if there was something really serious they knew about, uh, Mack definitely did not indicate that. He was saying. He thought Malik got stepped on or Malik stepped on somebody else's foot. And his, I think, exact quote was, you know, hopefully we'll look at it tomorrow when he'll be able to get back out there. They were just, he said they they sat him out due to an abundance of caution. I think if this had been, if he'd had the exact same injury without any of the previous problems, he probably would have just played through it. But, you know, we'll see. This has been the point in the season every, you know, this entire year where something terrible has happened right after. Like, every time we felt really good about this team, after the WKU game, um, after the Georgia Tech game at the beginning of this month, that's when the COVID pauses have hit. So I'm fully expecting something terrible to happen tomorrow. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm just, I'm conditioned at this point to expect the worst. But if it doesn't, we're allowed to do something. I'm right there with you. I mean, let's get this thing going. David Johnson did not play his best game. He's still getting over whatever illness he had last week. Max said he wasn't able to, to really fully practice uh, in the two practices before this new game. Let's get him going. Carleek is Carleek. Sam is rolling right now. Jalen's going to, you know, have three great plays, two two ones and five possessions. Uh, Dre did not play well in this game. We should say that. Dre Davis no, didn't, did not. Yeah. The, the, not nice. the finishing around the rim. Oh boy. Jeez. Yeah. But everybody else, man, it's it just, I, I feel like we're getting there. We may never get a chance to see what this team could have been had there never been any injuries or, or any COVID pauses or whatever, but we're getting about as close as we've been. And that's pretty exciting since the calendar's flipping to March here. Yeah. One, one thing that we didn't talk about, I mean, we were, half serious half joking about the like lack of athleticism and dunks like i think we had more dunks last night than we did the whole season combined i was like holy shit did they listen to the pod but uh i don't maybe maybe everyone in louisville sports radio is talking about that i have no idea um but yeah i mean they, they definitely i mean whatever you know whatever they had to eat before the game last night let's just keep with those meals going forward because i mean they had an extra bounce in their step for sure I did love that. I mean, Kelly Dickey goes on and calculates the the number, like the least number of dunks ever had, like per game, 
by a UofL team, puts that stat out there, and Louisville was on track to be the least dunking Louisville team of all time. And they probably turn around and dunk, you know, I think eight or nine times at Cameron Indoor. That did feel – and I know the social media team put out a video saying, we heard you guys wanted to see more dunks. Uh, how's this feeling? Out of all those dunks, though, the, like the, the most impressive one, I thought the most impressive part of the dunk was the Carlick Jones pass. I mean, it was – he was not – it wasn't a clear backdoor cut with nobody around for an easy dunk. I think Wendell Moore was the defender, and he was right there. There was a – six-inch window that Carly Jones had to put that pass, and he put it right there, and David finishes. That was probably the best play of the entire night. Dave got way up for that. Like, I mean, I know he he can be bouncy when he, like, he for some reason, like, he doesn't show it all the time, but, like, when you saw a slow-mo of that, you're like, holy shit. Like, I mean, you can see why, you know, he has the quote-unquote, like, NBA body or NBA skill set. Like, he, he has everything that you're looking for, and I mean, from a, from our standpoint, a college fan standpoint, you know, I think the thing we're looking most for him is two things. One, to cut down the turnovers, and two, just a, a little more consistency. Uh, last thing for me on this game, we should talk about the stat line of one Joey Baker, who podcast favorite, we, we dogged him relentlessly before the first game. He nearly crushed our spirits and made the podcast end forever. Uh, but, but this game... No such fear was instilled. He played nine minutes, did not attempt a shot, uh, had two rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks, no fouls, no points. Didn't exactly leave a big imprint on this one. He, like, checked in the game. I was sitting there, and my wife was there. And, like, I, like, under my breath, I was like, I fucking hate this guy. She was like, who? I was like, this guy. Like, he's a nobody, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I mean, it was good, you know. I, honestly, I he did so little. I like honestly didn't even realize he was on the court. I mean, every Duke possession, I watched where Matthew Hurt was at all time. Like nobody else beat us at all. I was like, just find Matthew Hurt for the love of God. Like, and I mean, the first half he hit a bunch of tough shots. The second half, like we were like kind of leaving him. I was like, guys, what are we doing here? But um, I mean, luckily, it, you know, obviously it worked out in our favor at the end. There were a couple of plays where both our defenders would go with somebody else. Like, we're not worried about right now. exactly like, 14 of 15 from the field right now. Please. Yeah, our, our like our text said our, our buddy Weber pointed out it was a good good thing to point out. Like he had like Carleek in the post and like Dre Davis like obviously can switch on. He just like runs right past right poor Carleek. <laughs> like Carleek's like literally getting shoved under the rim. I was like, okay, Dre, like a little help here. It felt like a little kid stuck at the top of uh, like a playground toy where he's like, um, somebody, I, I can't get down. And like all these gigantic people are like, yeah, we're, we're going to the swing. Man. We, you, best of luck there. Yeah, I, I was almost embarrassed that Duke didn't get the ball to him sooner. Uh, but anyways, we're going to read reviews here real quick. I don't think we're going to do Dan in the Dumps because we're feeling too good. But before we get to reviews, reminding you guys, homefieldapparel.com is bringing you this podcast. Go there. Check out their wide array of retro college gear, especially check out their Louisville section. They've got the comfiest hoodies, the comfiest T-shirts, the best designs. They don't just slap Louisville across the chest and call it a day. They hear from the fans. They hear what they want to see on T-shirts and hoodies, and they make it happen. And when you use that promo code Card Chronicle, all one word at checkout, it's going to save you 30% off your first home field apparel offer. Keep up with them on social media. It's at Homefield Apparel with no E on Twitter and at Homefield Apparel on Instagram. And again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Uh, I just kind of spoke for you there, Dan. Do you have a Dan in the Dump story you want to get to, or, or are we just going to keep it all positive in this episode? Honestly, no. This is a great. I mean, between last time with my awful fantasy golf story, like I, I, I would be reaching for anything. I'm, I'm on cloud nine right now, so hopefully I. I mean, obviously, I know they're entertaining, but hopefully it's just good vibes only between now and when we win the national title. For everybody out there wondering, <laughs> tied for 11th at the WTC. Not, not an awful showing. He led after the first round. I was like, we might have something here, but whatever. We'll, we'll take 11th. All right, reviews. Again, we remind you, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, it's the best way to make sure that you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the pod wherever you listen. They'll give you alerts probably before I get the, the episodes up on Card Chronicle. And if you can give us a, a rating, if you can write a review, 
really helps us out. So we encourage you to do that and to try and push you in that direction. We love to read the reviews you guys leave on the pod, even if they're they're stupid or, or silly or shots at us. We, we enjoy that. Um, OG Shill says, U-Curve uh, is the title of his comment. He says, this is the best Louisville show that I found. Each episode starts with fun and insightful talk about the team, then dips into 15 to 20 minutes of rambling about 90s or early 2000s nostalgia, and finally ends with a good story about the worst thing in the host's recent lives. Then again, sometimes you just get a story about losing in fantasy golf. Either way, way, work goes much quicker listening to these two. That's what we're here for. We're here to to help you get through the car ride or the work or the the workout or whatever. That's uh, that's what we want to do. Appreciate the shout out, OG. That that was a nice write up. All right, I know I get shit on for doing this too often. We are going to. It's the last week of the regular season. We are going to try to have multiple episodes this week. Um, hopefully, either before the Virginia Tech game or immediately after it, and then we'll have one later in the week um, to get ready for Virginia and talk about Selection Sunday and all that good stuff. And then we haven't really worked out exactly what our Selection Sunday plan is, but you're definitely going to be here for hearing from us. It's March. We got to turn this up a notch. This is the this is the March that we didn't get to have last year. So I feel like we have to get really going for the you know ACC tournament. We we get to kind of I mean Dan, you know this, and we talked. I think I may have made brief mention about on the pod but we had some cool uh, opportunities coming up last year around this time we were going to do i think a live show on selection sunday that was going to be sponsored by a new uh, local sponsor and it it all got ripped away from us out of nowhere we didn't get a chance to have those so i feel like this is our month to make up for what we didn't get to do last year i i mean this really is the month like that we are here to shine and like we totally didn't get to do any of it last year it was more just like depressing talk about you know what was going on so um yeah i mean i feel like i've been primed my whole life for this moment so uh uh let's let's keep the good vibes rolling and let's uh yeah let's have a big week here shine may be too strong a word but we're definitely going to be here is all we can say and one last thing because I'm not going to say a lot of people have pointed it out, but I, props to, to those of you who have. I have successfully cut off the go-cards perfectly the last two episodes, and the two games that have followed, double-digit win over Notre Dame, big-time win over Duke. I'm feeling like that changed the tide of this entire season. Yeah, I mean, a lot of pressure on you for sure coming down the stretch here doing that. So uh, I, I'll hopefully we can time it right. Maybe shouldn't have mentioned it right before the end of the show because now I'm terrified, but did it anyway. Can't take it back now. Uh, Again, more episodes coming this week. Until we talk to you guys again, go Cards. Go Cards. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.